Welcome back to the Middle-Aged Metalcast. I'm Peter, your Middle-Aged Metalhead, here to talk about more of my favorite albums of 2022. Today we're going to talk about miscellaneous albums, albums that didn't fit in one single genre. And this is kind of the collection of albums that were sort of examples of their particular type of metal that I thought really stood head and shoulders above the rest. So let's jump right in. The first album I want to talk about is The God Machine from power metal giants and stalwarts Blind Guardian. I had heard of Blind Guardian for some time before I really gave them a listen. It was in the early 2000s when A Night at the Opera was their most current release. That album had some moments I enjoyed, but it was really once I went back a few albums and discovered things like Nightfall in Middle Earth, and particularly Imaginations from the Other Side, that made me a fan of this band. Some of their recent albums really seemed to be focused so much on the epic side of their music that it was losing a little bit of the intensity and the energy. And because of that, they left me a little cold. That sense of immediacy, that sense of urgency that I found in things like Imaginations from the Other Side and Nightfall in Middle Earth just weren't quite there. I still liked tracks off those albums, but I didn't find myself listening to those albums start to finish. I would dip in, listen to a song or two, and then find something else to listen to. That changed this year with the release of The God Machine. First of all, the songs, while perhaps not necessarily shorter in length than on some of their previous albums, they feel far more urgent and immediate. They tend to grab me right out of the gate rather than needing some time to get going. They feel faster. They feel a lot more aggressive as well in a way that Blind Guardian hasn't felt in a long time. This really pulled me back in and made me a fan again. On top of that, the fact that these are songs that are based on works of fantasy or science fiction is a huge plus in my book. Can that kind of conceit be cheesy at times? Yeah, you bet it can. But Blind Guardian pulls it off with so much intensity and sincerity with a love of the the, the source material that they're drawing from, that it absolutely works on the God Machine. This is the most I have listened to Blind Guardian since I first discovered them and listened to those classic albums of theirs from the 90s. Our next album comes from Eruption. The name of the album is Tellurian Rupture. <laughs> I'm going to throw these guys mostly into the thrash metal category. If you asked me, gun to my head, to name my top five metal subgenres, thrash would absolutely be on that list. Some thrash bands are right there in the top of my all-time favorite bands, such as Testament, Exodus, 
And I know I'm not naming some of the classics, but, you know, look, I'll take Anthrax, Testament, and Exodus over most Metallica and Megadeth, and even Slayer every day. It's weird to me, then, that Tellurian Rupture, by Eruption, is the only really, what I would consider kind of classical thrash metal album that made the list for me this year. For those who aren't aware, Eruption is a band from Slovenia. I discovered them about five years ago when they released their third album, Cloaks of Oblivion, and instantly became a fan. They play this style of heavy, fast, thrashy metal with soaring vocals that again harkens back to bands like my dearly beloved and sadly gone forever, Nevermore. So honestly, look, anything that makes me think of Nevermore is a win in my book. This is just a solid, energetic, banging thrash metal album with, you know, some power metal overtones. It is a blast to listen to from start to finish, and the band really seems to be getting better and better on each subsequent release, proving that Eruption is a band that if you haven't been paying attention, I'm going to say it, you need to start paying attention to these guys. Our next miscellaneous album of the day is Skin and Sorrow by the band Frail. these guys in the doom category. Just like thrash metal, doom metal would also be, for me, in that top echelon of favorite types of metal. Yet, this year there wasn't a lot of doom that got its hooks deep enough into me that it made the list. Frail is that one exception. I have been a huge fan of this band for a couple of years when their last LP, 1692, dropped. I've gobbled up all their singles, their remixes, and I think their music is absolutely mesmerizing. Make no mistake, this is doom metal. The bass and the drums plod along with an immense weight to them. And good lord above, this album has riffs for days. But what takes this band and this album and kicks it up into the top of the the albums for the year are the vocals particularly the interplay between the vocals and the music. Vocalist Gwyn Strang keeps her singing almost exclusively up in the very high kind of breathy head voice registers. It's extremely light, extremely airy, and kind of ethereal. And her haunting vocals contrast with this heavy, doomy, riff-centered music to make it such a great listen. And if you want to have some fun with the band Frail, Go and listen to their cover of the Johnny Cash classic, Ring of Fire. You kind of have to know that it's Ring of Fire before you start listening. You'll figure it out eventually, but it isn't obvious out of the gate. Another album that I wanted to talk about this year uh, is a great sort of return to form to me of the band Machine Head. Their album that came out in 2022 of Kingdom and Crown is, in my opinion, their best album to come out in probably at least a decade.
mean, what can I say about Machine Gun? I would be tempted to call them the most consistently inconsistent band I listen to. They have highs, and when they have highs, they're really high. Their 2007 opus, The Black Anita, remains one of my go-to albums whenever I need something heavy, aggressive, and angry. However, it can have some serious lows, and subsequent releases since 2007 seem to kind of have diminishing returns, with each album getting subsequently weaker until we really got to the dud that was their album Catharsis, their previous release. This year, though, was something different. I don't know what's going on in Rob Flynn's life, but this is the album I was hoping for after The Blackening and probably Unto the Locust. Heavy, angry, thrashy, groovy, of Kingdom and Crown is an exciting listen from start to finish. Now, this is ostensibly a concept album. And I'll be honest, while I'm a huge fan of concept albums, I actually haven't felt the need to dive into the concept of this record. There are some short interlude-type tracks that are part of the story that I could do without, but the actual songs on here are straight-up bangers. Again, I was really hesitant and tentative when this was first announced, given the fact that Catharsis is almost unlistenable for me. But almost immediately my fears were assuaged, and this became one of my go-to workout albums of the year. This is a great return to form. Now we just gotta see if the band can maintain that. A couple more albums to talk about, and this next one's interesting. Uh, this is the album Personal Computer from Master Boot Record. What genre is Master Boot Record in? Master Boot Record is Master Boot Record. If you don't know who Master Boot Record is, I don't know what to tell you. If you do know, well, you know. Think 80s 8-bit video game music crossed with some Bach organ toccatas, crossed with some heavy metal sensibilities in songwriting, and out comes Master Boot Record. It sounds a little weird, but it works, and it works incredibly well. I always love Master Boot Record, and Personal Computer is no different. This is music that is exciting, it is engaging, it puts me in a good frame of mind every time I listen to it. If you're not familiar with Master Boot Record, this is an excellent place to start, and you've got a fairly rich back catalog to get into if you find that this is something you find interesting. The final album I want to talk about today is probably... The album out of this group that I was most excited about, but also was a little worried about. And that's a little odd when I talk about how I was, you know, the trepidation I had when Machine had announced a new album. But that is the album Agenda 21 by the band Zero Hour. This is progressive metal. This is good, old-fashioned, Symphony X, I hate to say it, Dream Theater-style progressive metal. I first became aware of Zero Hour when their album Specs of Pictures Burnt Beyond was released. 
I want to say this is about 2006. If the title of that album makes you scratch your head, much of the music found there in Will as well. It's progressive, complex, and varied music that didn't exactly click with me at the time. It was their follow-up album, Dark Deceiver, that came out in 2008 that got its hooks in me and never let go. I went back, dug into their back catalog, and really started to appreciate their approach to progressive metal. However, they went silent. The bass player, the bassist and the guitarist are twin brothers, he suffered an injury and was no longer able to play. He's done some rehab and improved to the point where he could still play, but he and his brother were off doing some other side projects, some of which I really, really enjoy. But I missed Zero Hour. I was stunned to find out that they were back, and they picked back up right where their amazing EP, The Towers of Avarice, left off many years ago. They've added in a new bass player, but they've got original vocalist Eric Rosevold back on the vocals, and it feels like a continuation of that band. Honestly, The Towers of Avarice is, in my opinion, their strongest and best album. That's a pretty good place to pick up. I love Agenda 21. It has some flaws, but it feels so damn good having zero hour back that I kind of find myself ignoring the vast majority of those flaws. The guitars are both beautiful and heavy with some really crushing, great riffs. The vocals are powerful, and Eric's voice has this certain edge to it that kind of imparts a sense of menace that makes everything he's singing that much more interesting. The rhythm section is excellent, and the new bassist acquits himself incredibly well. Maybe he's not as flashy as the previous bassist was, but it suits the music well, and this whole album is a joy for me to listen to. I don't know if this is something they're going to continue or if this was a one-off they wanted to release this album. Either way, I don't care. This is one of my favorite albums of the year and is so much better than I was worried it was going to be when I heard that they were coming back. I highly recommend Agenda 21 to anyone remotely interested in more progressive and thoughtful metal. Well, there we have it. There's a wrap-up of sort of the miscellaneous albums that made my list from 2022. Again, big thanks to anyone who's subscribed, who's listening. If you're listening on YouTube, again, I'll put out the reminder that due to content ID and YouTube shenanigans, I won't be having any clips underneath the audio that gets uploaded there. However, if you're interested in hearing little bits of these songs uh, being used under fair use, go ahead and head over to middleagedmetalcast.com and subscribe to the podcast there, and then you'll get the whole audio file without any edits or anything cut out because, well, YouTube. Thanks again, and we'll talk again soon with more albums from 2022 that knock my socks off.